on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Foley. Tough night for the Brewers as they fall to the Braves by a 3-0 score. Welcome into the program. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher. Or pitcher. I'm giving you a, is it a promotion? I'm giving you a position change. <laughs> former Brewers uh, catcher. Uh, you played a few other positions as well in your uh, in your time. Uh, Vinny Rotino joining us. It's the first time you've been up in the booth with us for the post game, and I'm calling you a pitcher, so I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, what are you doing, yeah. man? No, I mean, thank goodness I wasn't a pitcher because I would have been terrible. Wouldn't have made it very far. But no, it's uh, it's cool to be up here. This is a, this is great. I can't believe uh, I haven't been up here yet this year. Did you ever get on the mound like in mop up duty or anything? You know what? I played all nine positions in the last game of the season in 2004 for the Bloyd Snappers, okay. actually, and I pitched the ninth. A scoreless ninth, um, but that's the only time I. So think. you had a professional career ERA of zero. Zero. Okay, I so touched, I was right. Like I we touched. can just roll this whole thing back, and I can say <laughs> former pitcher Vinny Rotino. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's okay. start over. Three, right. two, one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tough night tonight for the Brewers. They lose three nothing. And look, the and if folks want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line eight five five six one six one six twenty eight five five six one six one six twenty, or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air M A T T P A U L E Y on air. A lot of things to get to in this game, Vinny. But I think the thing that jumps out at everybody, it's another game against a left-handed starter where the Brewers just have a really, really hard time scoring runs and having any success against the lefty, and it just doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make much sense because I'm pulling up a stat right now, OPS versus left-handed pitching. So people that don't know, OPS on base plus slugging basically tells what the production is of uh, of a player, how, how often they get on base plus their slugging percentage, so how, how much damage they do when they do hit the ball. And I'm looking, Hunter Renfro's got an OPS against left-handed pitching of over 1,000. They have Omar Narvaez at 7 70. They got a handful of guys. Rowdy Telez over 700. So, I mean, Willie Adamas is over 700 against lefties. So, I mean, this is not, you know, a lineup that is like totally just zeros against lefties. They're just not getting the big hit when they need to, right? And I think that's the story of why they can't. I, I, I don't know really what the story is, but that's the best explanation that I have. They're not getting the big hit against it. Again, tonight, they, they left runners stranded against Tucker Davidson, who pitched well, but they they certainly should have scored some runs. They go 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position, and they leave 10 on. You compare that to Atlanta. Atlanta isn't much better. Atlanta goes 1 for 9. They leave 8, but Atlanta gets a home run in the game from Marcelo Zuna, and they get uh, another run earlier, and that was kind of a – that was enough at the moment. You're right, though, about the, the lack of the big hits, and we can talk about this. When the Brewers don't score runs or when the Brewers have bad offensive nights – Many times it's not because of a lack of hits. Not that they had a ton of hits tonight, what they finished with, uh, five. You want more than that. But very often you can go look at those opportunities that they had to score runs, and they just don't get anything out of it. Yeah, and so what that does for an opposing pitcher, especially a guy like Tucker Davidson who had a 16 ERA or something like that coming into the game, and I know he has very small sample size. He had a 4.5 ERA in AAA, just called up. Good stuff, but what you see from this team is when they don't get that big hit, they don't put the pressure on the opposing pitcher. Allows them to settle in, and they don't have those stressful pitches that they have to navigate through. You know the heart of the order. They get the pop up, or they get the you know the strikeout looking, or or whatever the case may be, and they just don't put the opposing pitcher on the ropes. We saw that again tonight with Tucker Davidson, and he was able to settle in, and then ended up really. 
pitching a, a really nice game for the, for the Braves. I've always kind of wondered this, and I don't know the answer. I think you're probably a great guy to come up with an answer, though, on it. For organiza- all organizations, all teams use video, use analytics, use technology, use data, all that. Some teams use it more than others. I would argue the Brewers use it just about as much as any organization in baseball. Does that have an adverse effect on you when you're facing a guy like Davidson who's there's just it's hard to put together a scouting report on him because there's not uh, a lot out there on him? I think that could be a factor with, you know, guys that are coming up that they haven't seen a ton of. I just think the the factor there is that there's no familiarity, especially with guy, with a guy like him with stuff. I mean, he was 95 with an 87-mile-hour slider. So he's got good stuff, and he was able to repeat it, and he was able to stay in the zone for the most part tonight. I think that's the hardest part about facing a guy you've never faced before because a guy with stuff, meaning you have to make very quick swing decisions, you're really not going to know what his tendencies are as opposed to if you saw that guy a couple of times maybe you would wait him out a little bit longer because he does have a tendency to just walk guys a little bit and so I think that is a factor uh, as opposed to the scouting report uh, factor. 855-616-1620 that's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air. Let's grab our first phone call of the night. Matt is in Missouri. Hey Matt you're on WTMJ. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Doing good. Good. It's good to hear your voice again. I was just calling in to talk about, um, just wondering your take and Benny's take about, you know, some of the inconsistencies we're seeing from this Brewers offense. I mean, we know they can hit. You know, we know we got the bats. But, you know, one run in the last two nights. Uh, Lorenzo Kane is not looking good. He's batting 182. Four total RBIs in the year. I'm just wondering... You know, if we say, if you guys think maybe there's room and there's room for some more bats, and uh, I just, I mean, I don't want to repeat of what happened last year in the postseason. That's all. Yeah, yeah, Matt, I appreciate the phone call. I think the thing that frustrates me watching this team, Vinny, is because the, the aggregate, the overall offensive numbers are good, but we see the roller coaster where. Uh, those offensive numbers are so good in large part because of some really big explosive games where they score double-digit runs, and that kind of makes up for games like today where they end up getting shut out. There's a lot of times this year where they've gotten shut out or have scored one or two runs, and then there's a lot of times where they've scored 8, 9, 10, 11 or, or more runs, and I think it's that inconsistency that I have a hard time kind of evaluating who this team is. Yeah, I mean, they had an 18-run game against the Reds, right, where they hit five home runs, or was it six? Whatever it was, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of a boomer bust situation, which we saw from them back in 2020 and even 2019 where they kind of live and die by the homer. We don't want that from this group, right? You kind of want to see some consistency with some ability to pass that baton. I do think, and we've talked about this on the show, that there is probably room at some point to add a bat – a right-handed bat, preferably that hits right-handed pitching. Um, I don't know what that, who that name is. Probably a center fielder would be the best fit. Uh, we've we've talked about maybe a guy like Ramon Lariano, um, but uh, you know, it's tough because. Like we said, like the numbers kind of bear out that they're doing okay offensively. But when you get shut out by a guy that has a four and a half ERA in AAA, you know that's not what you want to see. Um, so I think some sort of mindset change 
perhaps, and just kind of ability to grind out those at-bats is what you want to see in the long run. But uh, I'm with the caller there, um, and I think we have been for a little bit on this. Uh, they just need more consistent at-bats. He mentioned Lorenzo Kane as well. Kane goes 0 for 3 today, hitting 182. He had a great RBI opportunity late in the game, and he wasn't able to get uh, anything across in that moment. I mean, I don't know what more we can say. It does feel like the clock is starting to tick where he's got he's got to turn it around offensively or the Brewers are going to have a challenging decision to make with him. And at what point does – even if you say, okay, you're the, you're the fourth outfielder, we're going to bring you in late in games, put you in center field, but Tyrone Taylor is going to be the, the more often than not center fielder, still carrying a guy with a sub-200 average. How long do you do that? Just – it's – we're, we're probably not quite at the point of that conversation being had, but at the same time, those numbers are, are not good for him right now. He looks like he is near the end, right, in terms of offensively. He can still play center field. That's the thing with Lorenzo Kane, and that's the thing that keeps you holding on because, again, this team is built on run prevention. So they have that exceptional pitching staff, exceptional starting five and even six if you want to add in Ashby, and then you have the, the back-end bullpen that's absolutely lights out. So you want to always remember as a run prevention first team, you, you're paying them a lot of money. You still need them to play defense. You need to protect him. I'm, I'm with you that, that maybe that is a solution, that maybe you bring him in late in games. He's like the fourth outfielder. You let Tyrone Taylor get his feet underneath him, continue to develop defensively in center field. That's probably the best option at this point. I just don't see the bat coming around at this point. I, I think the age curve is catching up to Lorenzo Kane at this point. The bat looks a little bit slow. Still making decent swing decisions. It's just a little bit behind in terms of the velocities that we're seeing right now. 3 nothing. The Brewers fall to Atlanta in Game 2 of this three-game series, which is now even at a game apiece. They'll wrap up the series tomorrow afternoon here at American Family Field. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620 or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. the Brewers fall to Atlanta today. Each of these first two games of this series have been determined in a shutout fashion. Yesterday, the Brewers won 1-0. Today, they lose by a 3-0 score. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewer Vinny Rotino here, also a Bally Sports Wisconsin analyst. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Patrick tweets at us, says, uh, is there any update on Willie Adamas or Andrew McCutcheon? Uh, They provide a lot of hits and power to this team. So McCutcheon is back with the team and he's been cleared he kind of got out of baseball shape just being stuck in a hotel room basically for a week or so uh craig council said after the game today that he's not going to be active tomorrow so that means we're looking at friday probably for him to be active with adamas he came in today feeling a little bit better than he felt yesterday so they decided to hold off on an injured list uh, decision on him and they'll see how he feels tomorrow they're trying to avoid the il they may not be able to do it, uh, but yeah, I think I think there's a good chance we see McCutcheon in a game before we see Adamas in a game. Yeah, I mean, both are very important bats to this lineup, and you know, Willie Adamas is is more than just a bat. He's your leader. He's your infield leader. He's your defensive leader in the infield. So, yeah, I mean, 
ideally, he, hopefully he's not going to be an IL because, I, you know, he's an extremely important bat in this lineup. I mean, he's at a 766 OPS, nine bombs, I mean, six doubles. So, I mean, he's, he's really producing in terms of extra base hits. Um, and then McCutcheon's going to be that guy that's going to be able to hit lefties. One of the best left-handed hitting outfielders um, or guys that hits left-handed pitching of the last four or five years. So uh, definitely need to need to get both those guys back in the lineup. Text message from Doug says, you can't hold these guys down forever. They're World Series champions. Best bet in baseball right now. Take any left-hander against the Brewers. You'll be in good shape. And why is Wong back in the leadoff spot against a lefty? Makes no sense. No consistency unless he thought bullpen game. I think Wong is back in the leadoff spot because this is the, the trickle-down effect from not having Willie Adamas available. With If Adamas is available, then you put Urias in the leadoff spot and you kind of drop Wong back to the bottom and you kind of lift everybody else up a spot uh, but with I, I guess my question to Doug would be if not Wong who else in this situation because Urias is a guy that you need to drive in runs you've got Yelich and Renfro who you want to have as a run producer same thing with Rowdy Telez I guess you could have put Lorenzo Kane up there but Kane's not even hitting 200 and you want a guy who gets on base so uh, it, I understand the frustration with seeing Colton Wong with as, as, as much as he has struggled against lefties this year. But that being said, I, I don't think there's a better answer. I mean, you could have put Tyrone Taylor up at the top of the order, but, I mean, you're looking at a 588 OPS. He's not really swinging the bat like we thought he would swing the bat. Um, and so McCutcheon being on the IL as well, the COVID IL, he's the guy that would have been leading off because, again, he hammers left-handed pitching. So, um, I mean, you know, Wong got on base a couple of times tonight. And so um, – you know, he's going to find a way. He, he is a, a spark plug. He hit left-handed pitching last year, and he was in the lineup at the top against left-handed pitching last year. He's just off to a slow start. Um, I see the concern, but it's just a matter of, you know, McCutcheon being out, and, and therefore Urias can't be the leadoff guy. You need someone to drive and runs, like you said. Dan texts in, says, uh, would you talk about the great bunt by Colton Wong and why teams don't use that strategy more, especially with all the shift defense that we see nowadays, a small ball becoming a thing of the past? You don't see shifts like that generally against like slap hitters. If you're a singles hitter, generally they're not shifting against you. If you're a singles hitter, you can try to put down a bunt for a base hit as often as you want as far as I'm concerned. But if you're a guy who hits for power, I don't want to see you try to put down a bunt because... I'd rather see you put it down in the gap and, and try to get extra base hits. You score runs via extra base hits. Um, it, it was a good-looking bunt. I think bunting is tougher than most people out there actually give it credit for. You can speak to that more than I can. But uh, you know, we get these people who text and tweet and call, and I, I think they make it seem like just putting down a bunt is a really, really easy thing to do. And it's, it's, it's more challenging now than it was in the 80s and 90s when everybody didn't throw 98 miles per hour as well. So uh, I, I appreciated the bunt, but it's not something that's going to be a huge part of what the Brewers do. Yeah, Colton Wong was facing a tough lefty that he hasn't faced before, so he's just trying to get on base any way that he can. He laid up. You couldn't have rolled the ball any better than how he bunted that ball. Again, that's a great point, Matt. That's not easy to do. Otherwise, Colton Wong would do it a lot more than he does. Actually, he does square around every once in a while, and it's either a foul ball or it's a taken for a strike um, or it's an out, right? So, I mean, it's not a it's not 100% 
uh, probability play that you're gonna it's gonna work out. And you're gonna get on base. So it's a it's a situation where it almost takes the it's more frustrating to get the bat taken out of your hands if you lay down a bad bunt or if you take a strike and all of a sudden you're in the hole 01. So that's why players don't do it. He did it tonight because again it's a tough lefty that he's never faced before. He needed to get something going and he, and he tried it and it, it worked out. But again, it's not something you're gonna want to do all the time. He would probably be more willing to do that against a lefty than against a righty as well. Exactly. Against the lefty that, again, is is a tough lefty. That guy was throwing you know torpedo balls up and in on lefties and then throwing a nasty slider off of it. I think if Colt Wong had a few more at-bats and kind of understood who that guy was a little bit more and had some success in the past against him, maybe you wouldn't have seen that. But it was a good attempt, and it, it obviously worked out. It almost led to a Brewers uh, run in that inning. Do you think we're because Major League Baseball is trying to do things to create more action in the game, and that's why we get text messages and from people all the time wanting to see more bunting. And what they're really wanting to see is more action, more run producing. They just they illustrate it to bunting. That's the thing that they associate it with. But really, what I think these people want when they're asking about these things is they want to see hit and runs. They want to see moving runners over. They want to see you get a leadoff double making sure that you get that runner over to third and can score him from third with less than two outs. All those things that we speak of in terms of fundamental baseball, but are tougher and not done as much now as they were before. As baseball tries to create more action, at some point the shift is going to be banned where you're going to have to have two infielders on each side of second base. We've already seen the deadening of the baseball. There's not much you can do about the pitching and how many strikeouts they're coming up with. I mean, pitching is just that good. But I do wonder if Major League Baseball imposes enough rules, if there is anything that really can be done to start promoting that style of play again. I think, and I have a theory about this, and you know my theories, Matt, so I think if they, I think if baseball deadens the baseball a little bit, as they've done, and then they go ahead and allow umpires to widen the strike zone just a little bit, maybe an inch or two on each side, if the pitcher earns that pitch, right? So we saw Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and those guys really earn pitches off of the plate because their command was so good and catchers learned how to frame it. And then take away that super high strike because what you're seeing now is not really pitching. You're seeing throwing. You're seeing guys throw the ball as hard as they can at the top of the zone. Guys swing underneath it, and then they rip off nasty breaking balls below the zone. It's extremely difficult to hit. So what data and analytics teams have figured out is, okay, let's not worry about the strikeout. Let's try and just go for a homer when the pitcher does make a mistake, and let's guess pitches. And that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing throwing against softball swings essentially a lot of times so I think to promote more of the balls in play let's go ahead and eliminate that high strike so hitters can take that for a ball now and then go ahead and promote command as opposed to throwing by widening the zone a little bit uh, and and allowing umpires to have some subjectivity to their strike zones I think that could help the game I don't know if they're going to do that but that's my theory so today was an interesting day because today at AAA, the automated strike zone became an official thing. So now it is one step from the major leagues. And I'm showing video uh, something that I t- retweeted earlier. So if you've got Twitter, you can go find it on my Twitter, at Matt Pauly on air. It's the designation of what the strike zone is. And from top to bottom, the top of the strike zone is at the 52.5 percentage point of your body. So so if you're, 
I'm 6'3", so at the 3'2 mark for me would be the top of the zone. And then 27% of your height is the lower part of the zone, so that's around the knees. And actually this graphic has shows uh, Jose Altuve, who's 5'6", and Aaron Judge, who is 6'7", to illustrate how the strike zone looks different for those two guys. If that strike zone comes to Major League Baseball and it's the complete width of the plate, the full set, uh, really it's 19 inches is what they're calling it, with the plate 17 inches plus one inch on either edge, hmm. and all you got to do is touch it at some point across the plate, I feel like that zone is a little bit bigger than what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I can see the the edges being a little bit bigger. Here's the problem. <laughs> Don't get me started on this electronic strike zone because what I don't like is that a pitcher scatters the ball somewhere and the catcher's set up on one side of the plate and he scatters it to the other side of the plate and he barely catches it and practically has to dive to catch it and it nicks the corner of the strike zone that's going to be called a strike. To me, that's not pitching. I don't like it. Um, but it, I see that it is bigger, but I just don't like it. I, I want umpires to call the zone how they see it. And there's some gamesmanship to that between the relationship between the umpire and the catcher. Don't like it. Sorry, Matt. All right. It's interesting. I think it's interesting. I think it's in. This is going to be in Major League Baseball at some point. It is. So, So with this, right, so we're looking at this, and there's some depth to the strike zone. Where does the strike zone stop and end? Yeah, or start and I, I think it starts at the point of the plate and ends at the 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 rear of the plate. That's how I view it. So all the way here. So it's yeah. this big. So if it touches this anywhere on that in in that three dimensional box, then we're ta- we're calling it a strike. Yeah, don't like it. All right. <laughs> Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Yankee Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet at me if you'd like at Matt Pauley on air. The Brewers they lose today to Atlanta by a three nothing score. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. Three nothing. The Brewers lose to the Braves today. Brewers Extra Innings does continue here on WTMJ. If you want to join us, eight five five six one six one six twenty. The Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air. M A T T P A U L E Y on air. Got a text message from Mike in Colorado. It says Matt and Vinny. The other night, the Brewers have the bases loaded, and Omar swings into an out on the first pitch without attempting to make the pitcher throw strikes. Tonight, Lorenzo is in the same situation. He does the same thing. Why are they so quick to swing? early rather than force pitchers to make good pitches, especially when the pitcher appears to be already challenged to throw strikes. My answer to that is because a lot of times in those situations, the best pitch you're going to hit is the first one you're going to see. Yeah, you see that uh, with lineups that are facing the Brewers pitching staff, right? Because the Brewers pitching staff is so good, you see a lot of teams start to jump on that first pitch, especially against a guy like Corbin Burns. We saw that tonight against Adrian Hauser a couple of times. Is there The Braves have done that, actually, against the Brewers pitching staff. Try to jump on that first pitch because it is probably going to be the best pitch that you're going to see. Now, I'll say... <laughs> it's just a different game now. I mean, guys are going ahead. It doesn't matter, you know, if the guy is challenged and throwing strikes, guys are going to try and jump you. Guys are going to try and, and get an advantage and really cheat for a fastball if they get it, they're swinging. Especially a guy like, again, not to say anything disparaging about Locaine. He's been an unbelievable player. I think right now he's he's his bat speed is just needing to cheat a little bit to those fastballs, and that's probably what you what you saw tonight. He he almost beat it out. For like that's the other thing, a lot of his hits this year have been infield hits, but he still has wheels. Like he can, 
if he gets bad on ball, and it, there's a good chance that he's going to beat it out over at first base. So maybe it's part of him needing to change his hitting profile. I don't know. He can still run. He can still run. He can still play D. He's still one of the fastest guys in the major leagues in the upper 5% uh, of all players on sprint speed, according to StatCast. So, I mean, this guy is still super athletic. I think just the reaction times, with the, what happens with the age curve and why guys slow down a little bit, it's more about reaction times, actually. So your brain to your hands or whatever, um, it starts to just slow down just enough. A millisecond is all it takes. Um but, again, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he'll start to rake. All, all of a sudden he'll just hit three home runs next week. Let's do that. We've done this whole show, and we've barely talked about Adrian Hauser, and he really pitched well. Six innings, just one unearned run on four hits, six strikeouts and two walks from a ground-out, fly-out perspective. You always look at that, uh, certainly, uh, with him. And uh, he finished out the game. Actually, it wasn't where normally he's at. He had uh, eight gr- ground-outs, three fly-outs, three. Is, you know, the the, uh, the percentage or the ratio is a little bit off from where it normally is. But he, he did everything you wanted him to do today. Yeah, Adrian Hauser. What what was encouraging about Adrian Hauser tonight is the fact that he bounced back from that bad outing against the Reds. I mean, he gave up a bunch of runs against the Reds. He wasn't on, uh, you know, he wasn't sharp. He wasn't on his game that game, and he bounced back and he pitched. I thought he pitched exceptionally well. He got out of a little jam in the first. Again, that's the change that we've seen from Adrian Hauser is the ability to make pitches when there's traffic, when there's guys in scoring position. And then he basically cruised the rest of the game. He got a double play ball that was kind of booted by Brasso. He misplayed that. But I thought he pitched exceptionally well. It's always important when you're coming off a day that doesn't go your way that you have a bounce back. That's something that I'm always curious on of pitchers. And I think it says something about, like, who they are from a character standpoint. Like, is this the guy that I want pitching in a game that really matters? This is a game we need to win today. Is this a guy I want on the mound? And one of the ways that I kind of evaluate guys in that is when they're coming off tough days, how do they respond in that next game? So I think in, in that perspective, this was also a good day for Hauser. Let's not forget, this is a guy that used to get so nervous before he would pitch that he would throw up on the mound. And I'm not saying that just to be funny or whatever. I'm saying that like there's a real change in this guy's onion control, right? How he controls his emotions out there. He's able to like stay in the moment and execute pitches when he needs to. And that's what's so encouraging about how good Adrian Hauser has gotten and how consistent I think he's going to continue to be going forward for this pitching staff. Yeah, it's um, you're right. Uh, he, what I was just describing, being the guy you want on the mound in a game that you have to win, I would not have described Adrian Hauser like that three years ago. That would have it would have made me nervous on his behalf if he's that guy pitching in a game that you need to get to the postseason or a game that you need to to get to the next round of the playoffs. And now I, there's a lot more comfort for me with him being that kind of guy. I mean, think about what he did in the playoffs last year. I know he gave up that home run to Jock Peterson here at home, but like he pitched exceptionally well in the playoffs. I'll tell you what. Playing in the playoffs in front of a packed house with everything from the season on the line is not easy to do. Adrian Hauser stepped in last year. He he pitched well in the playoffs. Uh, again, I just think this is a guy that you would have no issues with putting in your in, – let's say you needed three guys in your rotation. Obviously, it's Burns. It's, it's maybe Lauer. And 
Peralta. So if you needed that fourth guy to start a playoff game, I would, I mean, is it between Woodruff and Hauser if playoff started today? I mean, obviously I'm not taking Woodruff out of the rotation either. I'm not saying that. I'm more speaking to the point of your point. This is a guy you would go to in a must-win game. Yeah, you can trust him. I, yeah. It's it's a fun conversation to have, and we'll have it a lot more as we get into uh, July, August, September about what that postseason rotation would look that's like. Actually, that's one of the few things that worries me about this team is that because of how deep the rotation is, they're so built for the regular season. They this The strengths that they have in the regular season, they can't accentuate as much in the postseason. Yeah. Good point. I mean, I think they'll be fine. I th- I think the Braves last year won the World Series and beat the other team in the first round that would have won the World Series in in the Brewers. They got once they got past the Brewers, I think it was clear sailing for the Braves a little bit. I know they had to get past the Dodgers. Obviously, it's not easy. It's a gauntlet to go through it. But I think the Brewers would have won the World Series if they would have won that five gamer against the Braves just because of the pitching and how good it's been and. Um, I think the bats definitely need to come alive and uh, be able to score some runs uh, in against against good pitching. That's kind of the key to this whole thing. Offense needs to score runs against good pitching. That's Vinny Rotino. I'm Matt Pauley. We're still going to hear from manager Craig Council. We'll also go back through the game with the highlights. A lot to get to between now and 11.30. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley. Brewers come up short tonight. They lose by a 3-0 score against Atlanta. Just kind of a weird thing where yesterday the Brewers shut out the Braves and then tonight they get shut out. Four total runs have been scored in the first two games of the series. Rubber game of the match coming up tomorrow as the Brewers will have Corbin Burns on the mound going against Max Free. Tomorrow is a great pitching matchup, but... It's another left-hander on the mound tomorrow for uh, Atlanta, so we'll see if the Brewers are able to have a little bit more success against a left-hander tomorrow as the Brewers will try to split the season series against Atlanta after they lost 2-3 of three to the Braves. It's really weird, this Braves record. They're a team that they've not gone on any long winning streaks. They've not gone on any long losing streaks. In fact, I don't think they have any streaks winning or losing uh, at three games or above. They've never won more than two games in a row. They've never lost more than two games in a row. They just keep it's kind of going back and forth with wins and losses. They took that series uh, against the Brewers last week. We know how good of a team they are on paper. For whatever reason, they're just not completely putting it together quite yet. But the Brewers have got to find some offense. And what we talked about earlier with Vinny was just the the unevenness of how they have scored runs this year. They are a good run-scoring team. The statistics tell you that they are one of the better run-scoring teams in Major League Baseball, but they are a be- one of the better run-scoring teams in Major League Baseball that also has a hard time sometimes scoring runs. Uh, they suffer their fourth shutout defeat uh, of the season, uh, and, and that's, that's a lot. Four shutouts here in the first uh, month, month and a half of the season. It's May 17th. Uh, they have played, what, 23, 30, 36, 37 games at this point. So they're being shut out a little bit more uh, than you would want them to be shut out. And that's just the weird thing about this team. And we're coming up on the point. I hate to like just be a broken record continuing to say the same stuff over and over. But as we spend the first month, month and a half, two months of the season talking about how you don't really know much about a team until you come up on June. Well, June's right around the corner. 
It's May 17th right now. And if I'm going to spend the first month of the season saying, well, it's hard for me to evaluate a team until we get to about June or so, well, once we get to June, then at that point I've got to be able to say, okay, this is the team profile. This is who they are. And it's, yeah, it's just, you know, last year, and it was a different group of hitting coaches last year, but it wasn't, it wasn't a different hitting philosophy last year. It was just different hitting coaches. But last year, I remember uh, Will Salmon in The Athletic wrote something uh, that talked about the Brewers' ability to hit off-speed stuff. And uh, Andy Haynes, who was the Brewers' hitting coach, talked about just kind of from a sample size perspective how they needed to get to a point in the year where there was enough data that the data was actually worth something. I don't know if that sort of thing is going to happen this year. Now, when Will wrote that last year, they were going into a period of time where they really came alive offensively, but then at the end of the season, they kind of petered off again. It was a, it was a, you know, a curve where it was bad and then good and then bad again, and it went bad at the worst possible time because they ended up getting knocked out of the postseason because of it. But there's still... It's still kind of a you don't know what you're going to get from an offensive standpoint, and then you just throw in the righty lefty thing where the Brewers, for whatever reason, have just not scored against lefties this year. And Vinny Rotino said it earlier you look at some of the individual numbers, you look up and down the lineup, and you see some of the OPSs that a number of the hitters have against left handers, and you would never think that this team would struggle as much as they do against left handers, but for whatever reason, they do. 3 nothing. the final score as the Brewers fall to the Braves today. We'll take a break for the news, and then we'll come back with the postgame comments of manager Craig Council after that. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. the Brewers. They lose to Atlanta today. Welcome back in. It's Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley coming your way from American Family Field. Well, the story of this game was once again the Brewers struggling against left-handers. Manager Craig Council, he met with the media downstairs just a little while ago and like everybody's talking about, that was the first question to him about why the Brewers have struggled this year against left-handed starters. Well, we haven't. We, I mean, the, the, you know, you can the, the numbers say we haven't done well against them, and I, and I agree. Um, I think it'll change. Um, and I think we have, you know, can provide plenty of matchups to be good against left-handers. Uh, we just haven't, you know, we just haven't done it yet. We had some opportunities tonight and didn't get a didn't get a hit. Plenty of plenty of guys on base didn't get the next hit. Um, so you know, I'm confident we'll be. I, I like our lineups versus lefties. Um, we're obviously missing a couple guys, but our the, the, the guys we can normally run out there against left-handed pitching, and I think it's a good lineup. And like the pressure innings, those are encouraging, right? Of you to put together those innings. Yeah, I mean we 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 had a cha- we had chances tonight. We we didn't cash in on the chances. What was it about Davidson that just you guys couldn't seem to? Crack through with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he did. He did a nice job. He was kind of like effectively wild a little bit, um, but he but he landed his breaking ball when he had to, um, and, and yeah, he made enough pitches. Nice to see Adrian bounce back after this. Start. Yeah, I thought Adrian pitched really well. Um, I, I, thought, I just thought he did a really nice job. Um, 
he got he got the ball kind of away. I thought they were kind of looking in, and he got the ball away when he had to, and and made got some Vic did a nice job with him, um, getting him some strikes, and um, just a good combination of like changing up the hitters. Those right-handers, obviously, with the sinker, it's it's you got to. You got to cheat to get to it a little bit, and I think it opened up the outer lane a little bit. And then, then he went in there. He went in at appropriate times to get ground balls. Craig, in the eighth, are you okay with first pitch? Kane, first pitch after a walk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a, a good, pretty good play by Riley. Um. Yeah, I mean they made the play. Yeah. Do you see enough today pregame from McCutcheon and over the he, he will not be active tomorrow. Everything else okay? Just needs. Yeah, I, I just he just needs more. I think he needs more baseball. Um, and with the off day, it gets him just two more days um, to to get him ready to go for the weekend. On that Brasso play. Uh, the ball just kind of eat him up with, with, with hard. Yeah, very hard hit. Um, you know, and that's you know, it's it's an air. It's it's a tough air. It's just one of those balls. It's a tough play for the third baseman when you hit very hard ground ball, big top spin, um, and it, you know, they just didn't they just didn't get it. Magic Craig Council speaking with the media just a little while ago after the Brewers lose to the Braves today by a 3 nothing score. So a couple things that he said in there. First off, the update on uh, Andrew McCutcheon, just that he came back and uh, wasn't quite ready to go baseball shape-wise. And you know, if there wasn't an off day coming up on Thursday, maybe they try to push it and get him back in the lineup tomorrow, but you hold him out tomorrow, you get two days more of him being able to do baseball activities. And basically he was sitting in a hotel room in Atlanta throughout this entire COVID period. Uh, And it was not, uh, it it was, it's tough to, tough to do anything if you're just sitting there in in a hotel room. And I'm sure he did his best to be able to uh, do some working out or whatever you you, you can do, but you're in a hotel room. And he was, uh, that's what happened during that period. And the COVID did hit him relatively hard. He was certainly uh, very much impacted by it. So just giving him a couple more days again, that will, I doubt that we see Willie Adamas back in the lineup tomorrow. And then they'll have some decisions to make coming into Friday when they open up that series against the Washington Nationals as they'll be, uh, they'll have to make a decision on if McCutcheon's going to come back and you would think he would. Uh, whose roster spot is he going to take? Is Adamas going to go onto the injured list? If, if Adamas is not ready to go on Friday, well, then at that point, you almost have to put him on the IL because, I mean, you can retroactive it back to when he last played, and he's been out long enough that you've just got to make that tough decision at that point. But they're trying to play this out with Adamas as long as they can. He was better today coming back in, uh, which is good. They're just from a uh, getting better perspective, uh, that was today was maybe one of his best days taking a step forward. But we'll see Andrew McCutcheon uh, coming up on Friday. And then Craig Council asked a question that, again, we got the text message earlier in the program from Mike in Colorado asking about the first pitch and Lorenzo Cain and uh, council was asked about him swinging on first pitch and whether or not that he was comfortable with that and he made it very clear that he is comfortable and that that's a that's something that there was no problem with uh, him doing that so uh, there, there's your answer from Craig council and again I think the big thing is especially when a pitcher is struggling 
a lot of times they just try to get that strike one um, by by kind of giving you something, thinking that okay, the pitcher's not or the hitter's not going to be as aggressive here because I've had a hard time throwing strikes, so that's going to result in maybe an opportunity to just kind of sneak one by. Well, if you have an aggressive approach at the plate in that situation, you might get a pretty good pitch to hit. So I think that's probably why Craig Council was as comfortable as he was with the uh, with the early swing there uh, from, from Lorenzo Cain. 3 nothing at the final score as the uh, Brewers, they fall short today against the Atlanta Braves. We've got the highlights coming up in just a moment. We'll go back through the game. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get out of here! Go! Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Foley. 3-0. The Braves defeat the Brewers tonight. Starting pitching matchup. The Brewers have Adrian Hauser on the mound, while the Braves go with Tucker Davidson, who had just got called up from AAA to make the start. Pretty good pitching matchup. No score through the first few innings. We pick things up all the way in two the fifth inning. In the top of the fifth inning, Hauser continuing to pitch for the Brewers with one out. Adam Duvall gets a base hit, then Dansby Swanson singles. That puts runners on at first and second for Ronald Acuna Jr. And the pitch. Swing and a bouncer hit to third and off the glove of Rosso and it's going to be an error and a run is in for Atlanta. Yeah, Brasso commits the air. The run scores Duvall, and that makes it one nothing. We didn't know at the time that was going to be everything that the Braves would need. So a one nothing game. They have another opportunity in the sixth inning with two outs. It's Ozzie Albies at the plate. And the pitch. Swinging and a fly ball hit to right. Deep. Warning track. Gone, or is it? Nope, off the wall. Albies thought he had a home run. It is going to be a double now. Everybody thought that was was gone. Uh, Hunter Renfro was trying to jump to maybe bring it back, and he, he uh, mistimed it, and then it ended up going just a little bit to uh, his right towards center field. It ends up being a double, but then Travis Demetra grounds out, so uh, the double goes for not, and it remains a one nothing game. Tucker Davidson would be done after five innings. Colin McHugh comes in to pitch the sixth inning. He throws a scoreless sixth, and for Adrian Hauser, he would be done after six as Trevor Gott comes into the game for Hauser. Pretty solid performance all the way around. He gives up just that one unearned run as uh, in his six innings of work, uh, Hauser ends up allowing one unearned run on four hits with six strikeouts and two walks. Trevor Gott throws up a scoreless top of the seventh inning, and then A.J. Minter throws the bottom of the seventh inning. Actually, he comes in after uh, Mike Brasso had gotten a uh, base hit. He came in and got the uh, final out of the inning, so it remains a one nothing game as Brad Boxberger comes on to pitch for the Brewers in the top of the eighth inning. First battery faces the always dangerous Ronald Acuna Jr. He walks, then Matt Olson flies out, so one on, one out. Acuna steals second base, but then Austin Riley flies out. Uh, Acuna is able to tag on the play, so he takes third. All that ends up not mattering because Marcel Azuna does this. And the pitch. Swinging and a liner to right. If it's fair, it's gone. It is a fair ball and gone for Ozuna. 
Ozuna the home run. It's a two-run shot, and it gives the Braves a 3-0 lead. Brewers try to make some noise. Arguably, their best scoring opportunity comes in the bottom of the eighth inning. With one out, Christian Yelich walks. And then with two outs, Tyrone Taylor walks. And that ends the day for A.J. Minter. Old friend Will Smith comes on. And the first batter he faces is Rowdy Telez. He ends up walking. So the bases are loaded. Telez is replaced by Jace Peterson over at first base as a pinch runner. And Lorenzo Kane comes to the plate. And Lorenzo Cain is going to be the batter. All right, he's in there. Bases loaded, trailing 3-0. From the stretch, Smith is ready and delivers. Lorenzo bounced to third, and a heck of a play by Riley, and he throws him out. Wow. Yeah, so that was a very good play that was made, and it keeps it a 3-0 game as the game moves along to the ninth inning. New pitcher into the contest for the Brewers is Brent Suter. Strikes out Travis Dimitri and gets William Contreras to fly out, so quickly two outs in the inning. But then Adam Duvall gets a base hit, and Dansby Swanson walks. So that load, uh, that puts a two on in front of Ronald Acuna Jr., who walks. So in the top of the ninth inning, the Braves have the bases loaded with two outs, and Matt Olson at the plate. Swings and sends one in the air. It's playable. And coming on for the catch, Tyrone Taylor, and he gets out of it with no further damage. 3-0 as we go to the bottom of the ninth inning, and the Braves bring on Kenley Jansen to pitch. First battery faces Mike Brasso. He strikes out, then Victor Caratini grounds out, and Colton Wong represents the final hope for the Brewers. Colton Wong ends up, uh, Colton Wong strikes out, and that's how uh, this game finishes off tonight, as uh, that is the third out and the final out of the game as the Brewers end up losing by a 3-0 score. For the Brewers, they drop to 23-15. The Braves, they improve to 18-20. Winning totals tonight for Atlanta. They score their three runs on six hits with one air. They end up leaving eight. For Milwaukee, no runs, five hits, one air. They leave 10. Winning pitcher Davidson, he's 1-0. Hauser takes the loss. He drops to 3-4. Jansen the save, his ninth of the year. One home run in the contest. It came off the bat of Marcel Azuna, his sixth of the year. The game lasting three hours and 14 minutes. Played in front of a crowd of 28,910 folks here at American Family Field. Brewers end up losing by a 3-0 score. Rubber game of the match coming up tomorrow afternoon. We'll preview that. We'll also get you some scores from around uh, baseball, both around the NL Central. And we'll also uh, go through the Brewers minor league system. And we'll call it a night from American Family Field. That's all on the way next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Just a few more minutes left here in the program as the Brewers, they fall to the Braves today by a 3-0 score. 
and uh, they will wrap up this three-game series tomorrow. A Brewers win tomorrow, and they split the season series, but a Brewers lost tomorrow. They lose this series, and they lose the season series because they fell in Atlanta in three games last week, losing two out of three. Last week, it kind of played out the same way where they won the first game, they lost the second game, and now they'll try to uh, change the script tomorrow when they will try to uh, get a win, and we'll go through uh, the particulars of tomorrow's game coming up in just a moment or so. Let's get you some notes from this game. So the Brewers suffering their fourth shutout defeat of the season. Uh, it is uh, the first time, though, since um, the it's the first time since April second of twenty fourteen that the Brewers have been shut out at home by the Braves. So it has been quite some time since the Braves have come into Milwaukee and come up with a uh, shutout victory. It's their first shutout overall uh, since getting shut out by the Cubs back on May first. So not too long ago, Adrian Hauser allows uh, just the unearned run in six innings, giving up four hits with two walks and six strikeouts to six innings, matching a season high. He's now done that three times. He owns a .51 ERA in three night starts this year compared to a 5.79 ERA in four day games. So that's going to be one of those storylines that we may start watching. We're at the point now where things happen in the season where you see these trends starting to develop and for whatever reason, Hauser has been a lot better at night. Again, I mean, it's it's remarkable how different. Uh, the, again, three night starts, a .51 ERA, four day game starts, First off, it's kind of odd that he uh, has more day game starts than night starts, but that, that's the way things have worked out. And a 5.79 ERA so far uh, in those day games. So he has been much, much better uh, during night games. Hunter Renfro has now reached base safely in nine straight games against Atlanta. This goes back to uh, May of 2021, hitting safely in seven of those contests. During that nine-game stretch, he's hitting 375 with four doubles and three home runs. He is also now just four hits shy of 500 for his career, so there's a good chance that that uh, we're going to see uh, that milestone occur coming up uh, this weekly, uh, this weekend, I should say. And shortstop Luis Urias, he has now reached base safely in all 13 games that he has played this year since he was activated uh, off the injured list, and that streak goes back to 16 straight games. If you go back to September of last year, marking the longest such streak of his career, that was one of the questions I had, and, and I talk about this a lot, and sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. It's not even a case of being right or wrong. It's just kind of noticing things. When when hitters have breakout seasons, they may come back and follow that up with another good offensive season, or they may not. We see those kind of one-season wonders that that happens in baseball. That happens normally. And I was I was very curious what was going to happen with Luis Urias if he was going to be able to follow up this season with what he did last season. And it's only a couple weeks worth of baseball so far for him. I understand that. But so far, so good. He has looked really good, and that has been uh, an important thing for this team offensively. He definitely is someone who can uh, drive in runs. All right, let's take a look at scores from around the National League Central. The Cardinals and Mets play a doubleheader today. Game one goes to the Mets by a 3-1 score. Miles Michaelis made the start for St. Louis, went six innings, allowing three runs, two earned on seven hits, five strikeouts, and one walk. Paul Goldschmidt did hit a home run for St. Louis, but it was not enough as they end up losing that game. But then the Cardinals come back. 
back, and they pick up a 4-3 victory in the nightcap. Steven Matz got the start against his former team. He throws five innings for the Cardinals, allowing two runs on three hits, seven strikeouts, no walks. Uh, he does not factor into the decision, so the Cardinals are now 20-16. and 16. They are in second place behind the Brewers. The Pirates and Cubs played at Wrigley today. It was all Cubs. They win by a 7-0 score. However, an interesting occurrence during this one, Daniel Vogelback, the former Brewer, he hits a stand-up triple. A stand-up triple for Vogelback. Uh, uh, You don't see that every day. In fact, it's his first. He had a bunch of triples when he was a minor league guy. He had never hit a triple in the big leagues. He hit a triple today. It was a ball that uh, was hit out to left center field. It kind of caromed off the wall and rolled towards the left field corner, and the left fielder had to run and go get it, and Vogelback was able to get all the way to third standing. So a Daniel Vogelback triple, even though the Pirates lose by a 7-0 score, that was uh, arguably the, the, the highlight of the game for the Cubs. They got a home run from Jonathan VR, his first uh, of the year. Uh, it was Keegan Thompson on the mound. He went five scoreless, giving up four hits with five strikeouts and no walks. The final game involving a team from the NL Central. The Reds pick up a win. They've been playing better baseball here recently. The Reds win in 10 innings in Cleveland over the Guardians by a 5-4 score. So with that, the Reds, they improve to 10-26. and So still not good, but much better than they were even a week and a half, two weeks ago. Around the Brewers minor league system, we will start with Low A Carolina. They drop to 500 at 17 and 17 as they lose at home to the Down East Wood Ducks by an 8 5 score. The High A Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, they go to 23 and 11. They're really having a nice season. Uh, they knock off South Bend, winning 3 1. Double A Biloxi playing against the Mississippi Braves. Mississippi scores. Three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, but they still come up one run short as Biloxi still comes away with the 6-5 victory. And then at AAA Nashville, they're also having a fantastic start to their season. They are now 25-11 and as they were able to pick up a win over Louisville this evening. Uh, they end up winning by a 4-3 score. So those are your scores from across the Brewers minor league system. Once again, in our game, the Brewers, they pick up... Uh, they they fall short. They end up losing to the Braves by a 3-0 score, and this three-game series is now even at one game apiece. The two teams are going to wrap things up with an afternoon contest tomorrow here at American Family Field. 12-10 first pitch, a whale of a pitching matchup. The Brewers will have right-handed pitcher Corbin Burns on the mound. He enters with a 1-2 and record and a minuscule 1.77 ERA. The Brewers will be facing a left-hander in Max Freed, who is 4-2 and with a 3.14 ERA. Again, a 12-10 first pitch tomorrow here at American Family Field. That means our coverage will begin at 11.35. Once again, the Brewers fall short today. They lose to the Braves by a 3-0 score. We'll talk to you again real soon for more Brewers baseball.